What's a good morning to worship, yeah? Man, I, I've done it. This is my third time through this morning. I'm still, like, ready to go. Like, let's go. And I rehearsal, then first hour. I decided to come back for second hour. And uh, I think I'm going to stay for third hour, too, you know. And uh, that's not till this evening. That's, that sounds like a joke, but we do have a third hour. And uh, it's for 18 to 35 to whoever wants to come. And it's in the evening times. And uh, what a good setting for worship that is as well. And so I'm having fun. And... Um, I just, I, I happen to go in the, like, back row, because that's the dance floor area. I don't know if you knew this. It's not formally stated anywhere. But for those of us that would maybe injure somebody, if we got in the rows, um, you just go in the back. So it's okay. If anybody wants to come back with me, because you can't sit still, like, you have to move, and, like, the music just comes over you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the worship, some of you, the worship's just in here. You're like, and that's okay. You're like, I don't really, I, I just can't help it. Like, I, my body is moving. It starts moving. I think it runs in my family, too, because... Um, my littlest guy, Eli, like he, a song comes on and it's just, it starts just real subtle. It's just a little like this. And then it kind of starts the song, he gets lower and lower. Like this is his jam. I, like sometimes I've seen him get, I won't even try, but he gets all the way down to the floor. Like he's just ready to, to rock. So um, love getting to worship and I uh, just love getting to do that uh, with all of you guys this morning. Uh, we're going to dive in and continue to worship through the word this morning. Um, but how many of you guys, I don't know if you're like me, but how many of you guys love a good mystery? Like, you're like, I like a good mystery. Yeah, okay, maybe a mystery novel or a mystery show. I love, like, real-life mysteries, like, where you step onto, like, the scene, and you're like, this, something's not right here. Like, something's a little bit off. Like, that shouldn't be there. A lot of you as parents, you'll walk into a room, and you're like, okay, this is a mystery that I could solve. Like, how did this room, like, turn into a disaster like this this quickly? I could kind of figure that out. But I love mysteries like that where you just come onto something, and you're like, what this isn't supposed to be here something's out of place and so um, recently I was driving here in Mason and I'm just driving along you know just an everyday day in Mason Ohio and all of a sudden out of nowhere this thin yellow line emerges and I'm just driving along like there's just this line but it's not like a big thick line like one of the lines that's supposed to be there it's just this thin yellow line and it goes it weaves in and out and so I do what any of you would do if I come across a thin yellow line I'm like where does it go? Like, where, where does this thing lead to? I'm really getting excited. I'm, like, following the yellow brick road. And so it's really interesting, too, because as you follow the line, it doesn't really stay in one side of the street or the other. It'll weave into, like, the other side all of a sudden. And then you just say, you know, so I'm driving all over the road. Like, people are, like, honking at me because I'm, like, I'm just following the line. Like, I want to make sure that I figure out where this goes. And at one point, I get up into the, like, Heritage Oak Park. I've gone down through Hanover Drive and through the neighborhood. And, like, all of a sudden, the, the line just, like, circles back. And I'm like, well, what happened here? You know, like, now I'm confused. And uh, so I don't know if you heard this news story, but this was, like, all the buzz in Mason for a little while. Like, this was, like, our big news story is uh, that, and it was, it was called the Leaky Paint Crew. Okay? So there was a paint crew that, that sprung a leak. And this is no joke. They, they literally, for miles and miles, just traced this yellow line all throughout Mason, Ohio. And then they came back to clean it up, and they actually just made a darker, like, thicker line. So, like, now if you just, just pay attention, there's, like, now a big sort of road-colored line, but it's just thicker. And uh, so go drive through the park up here. Go drive through the neighborhood. You'll see what I mean. Um, but that was sort of what had happened. As these, and I can just imagine the conversation, like, Tom, you were supposed to shut the paint off. Like, no, you were supposed to. Who? It doesn't matter now, right? Like, we just totally destroyed the city. Like, how are we going to fix this? And so, um, anyway, you know, it's just funny to me. I'm not, some people are, like, outraged, like, on these, like, posts and stuff. I'm like, 
guys, this is hilarious. A, a paint crew, like, this isn't going to hurt anyone. Like, nobody's actually considering this as, like, a viable line. Like, let's just not worry about it. And so, um, anyway, I found that to be really, really funny. And here's the premise that I want to set up for you this morning. And uh, for just a second, I know it's, it's not as early as it was first hour, so you guys have had some time to get the coffee into the system. Brain's working a little bit. So here's what I want to do. I just want to visualize something for a second. Let's think about your line, your, your life, as if it were that line. So let's, let's think about kind of where you've been, okay, where you are right now, and where you hope to be going. So we think about just retracing uh, the course of your life. Again, where you've been, where you are today, and where you're going. And what if you could do that? What if a line just demonstrated your journey up to this point and your journey ahead? And so the question that I have for you is, as you think about that, as you visualize that line, as you visualize your childhood, as you visualize uh, growing up and the, the decisions that you made along the way, and um, what does that line reveal? And, and maybe here's another question. Does it look the way that you thought it would? You think about the course of your life and, and the line that sort of, does it look the way that you thought it would? What unexpected places has your life taken you? Have you gotten turned around from time to time? Maybe for some of you it's just been like a, oh no, you know, like turn the car around, like big U-turn kind of moment. And maybe se several of you are at one of those U-turns right now where you're like, what in the world? Where did you veer off course? What are the conditions of the road today? Maybe you just feel like you've been in just uphill mode for a long time. And you're like, let's just keep the car running, right? Maybe your line just stopped for a minute because you're like, I'm just, I'm just worn out. I'm tired. I'm broken down on the side of the road kind of line. And so my line for the moment is just park in a parking lot somewhere. And then the question is, what might be in store for the road ahead? So as you think about the line leading into the future, uh, what does that line look like as you visualize your future? Maybe as you think about 2018 and 2019 and, and, and the days and the years uh, ahead, what might that look like? I think about what the great philosopher Forrest Gump once said. Good, okay, you guys are with me. He said, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating, ar floating around accidental-like like a feather on a breeze. And I don't know about you, but I don't like thinking about my life that way. I'm not okay with the thought of just floating around accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze. But the truth is, if we're not careful, that's exactly what ends up happening. That's exactly what ends up happening is maybe we go on to autopilot, and then we reach a destination at some point. And we're like, how did I get to this point in my life? Like, well, how did the line lead here? Or um, maybe for some of you, you're just kind of like cruising. You're like, I... I don't really have a plan. I don't know what journey I'm on. I don't know what I'm chasing after. And so it really got me thinking. And this past year, and I've shared this with a lot of you guys, but um, one of the things Jess and I do at the end of the year is we sort of spend some time just as a couple talking about 2017, you know, like sort of reliving and reviewing that year. And then really kind of saying, all right, in light of 2017, in light of sort of where the line has led us up to this point, what are we asking God for in 2018? What is God really calling us to in 2018? And we'll usually just drop a word to sort of capture that, right? So we sort of avoided the resolutions thing, mostly because like 92% of res resolutions fail. So I'm like, that doesn't seem like a winning plan, so let's try something else. So um, we decided we would just sort of capture a word each year. And uh, uh, this year, in talking with her and just really sharing kind of like my heart and um, 
really where we've been. I said, you know, my, and she helped me with this word. She said, you know, I, I think as you share, what I hear is intentionality. The, the intentionality is going to be your word in 2018. I was like, that bingo, that's it. And, um, you know, the truth is when it comes to my life, I don't want to live aimlessly. I don't want to be floating around accidental like, like a feather on a breeze. I want to be living intentionally. I want to be living purposefully. I want to be living in the center of God's will because I don't know how long that line's going to be. I don't know exactly what God has in store for me, but I want what he wants for me. And if there is a verse that really captures it, it's Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as um, not as." Uh, unwise but is wise making the best use of time because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is understand what god's will is for your life what does god want that line to look like where does god want that line to go these are the important questions if you want to get from living aimlessly to living purposefully in your journey so how can we live wise? How can we live the life that God wants for us, making the best use of our time? And these are some of the questions that are answered in the book of James as we uh, unpack that together today, as we continue uh, through the book of James uh, all the way up till Easter. So what an incredible letter. Um, and man, it's been hopefully a joy and you've received some solid truth, truth up to this point. Um, we're going to continue in that today and reading in James 1, 5 through 8. If you would, would you stand with me as we uh, read the word of God together? It says this in James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You may be seated. All right, James answers some really important questions for us. If, if that really is our desire, if that really is our intention, is to live with intentionality, is to make sure that we're not floating around accidental like, like a feather on a breeze, um, and regardless of where that line leads you today, whether that be through difficulty, as we see, uh, is the context here, specifically to the, the audience that James is writing to, right? They're dispersed for persecution. They're continuing to just see this tension bear down on them. And so he's saying in light of this, because that's one of the most difficult times to live with uh, wisdom, is in those moments of tension. So here's what he's speaking about. He's listen, as you walk through this life, if you find yourself derailed or not in a place that you want, um, he, he then writes with this advice. And so the first question that he answers is this, where is wisdom found? Where is wisdom found? And so right here he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, which is all of us, let him ask God. And when James uses this word wisdom here, as he wrote to this primarily Jewish audience, they would have recognized that this word that he was describing uh, was not mere knowledge or philosophical speculation, right? That wasn't what he was referring to. He wasn't referring to the wisdom of the day, and even from time to time, the Bible will distinguish between the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. And so he's referring to the wisdom of God here. He's not talking about popular opinion. He's talking about the wisdom that was built upon the absolutes 
of God, his perfect will, and his infinite understanding. And so as we talk about the topic of wisdom today, the kind of wisdom that we want to live with, the kind of wisdom that we want to lead with, the kind of wisdom that will guide our journey from accidental-like to very purposeful, that's the kind of wisdom. It's a wisdom that is built upon the absolutes of God. Because the truth is, if our goal is just to acquire knowledge, there's plenty of places to find it, right? How many of you guys have, like, a smart desi- device, smartphone? You have, like, some of you, anybody have, like, the smart thermostat, right? There's all kinds. Of, we have one of those. It's not too smart, though, all the time. And, uh, you know, it, it's constantly, like, not doing what we want it to do. Um, it's just defying us all the time, right? You're supposed to work for me. What's going on? And uh, so how many of you guys, though, have, like, one of our, we got for Christmas the uh, Amazon Alexa Dot, like the Echo Dot. How many of you guys, anybody have the big, like, so this thing's pretty cool. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed it, and it's just become, like, something that just becomes a toy for everybody at our house. Like, it's supposed to be, like, this productive thing, but we just all just, like, it's funny because there's this spot, like, we have it in the one office area and but there's this area where there's a gate and we all just run up to it we just like yell at Alexa like this is what we do at our, like Alexa do this Alexa do that and it's pretty impressive because she does a lot of cool stuff right she can make a, a grocery list I, I wish she could like like go get the groceries and do all that too but she can make the list she can play music like just about any song you want to hear uh, she can play it although you might have to repeat yourself like 15 times you know um, she can give reminders I found out the other day, I said, Alexa, tell me a joke. She told me a joke. Like, I was in the mood for a joke. And then I, all of a sudden, here's a good joke. You know, write that one down. That one's not too good. You know, whatever. Um, she reads inspirational quotes. This is something that she'll do. It's like, Alexa, give me some inspiration. And she'll read me, like, a Nelson Mandela quote. And I'm like, cool, I'm ready to tackle the day. Like, this is good. Um, she can turn lights on if you have the right, like, devices. She can control the thermos. I mean, this is a pretty, like, smart uh, device. One thing she isn't very good at at my house, though, um, is understanding the little people in my home. Like, she just, she can't figure it out. It's like, it's fun, too, because they'll, like, run up to the gate, and Aiden will be like, Alexa, play the Moana soundtrack. Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, he'll yell, like, 15 things after that, too. Like, she, you've got to be simple and, like, straightforward with her, and you also got to talk slow, but he can't. So, you know, she, you'll just see her little light come on. Like, she heard Alexa, and then it's just spinning. Like, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. You know, like, I'm sh- shrugging my shoulders. Like, what did you say? And it's even better because Eli will run up there too, and sometimes he doesn't. He just goes. He just sees us all yelling at her, so he just goes. "Ah, ah, ah, ah." It's like, yeah, Alexa, take that. You know, like, what do you think of that? So it's pretty impressive. She can do a lot of things, Um, but in artificial intelligence, we see this. There's some impressive technology today, uh, but it's still lacking, right? I saw an article come out not too long ago that said studies show that human intelligence is still smarter than artificial intelligence. I'm like. Well, that way to go. Like whoever, whoever did that study, like I would hope so, right? Since human intelligence designed the artificial intelligence. Anyway, never mind. Um, artificial intelligence is impressive, but it's lacking. So you can ask her some questions, right? She could Google it. She could look it up. Uh, and human intelligence is fascinating too, but it's also limited, right? We hear phrases like experts say, and you think like, well, who are these experts? Like I will. I've never met this expert, right? But this expert says this, and then this expert, he totally says something else. So, like, which expert do I believe, you know? And it's, like, it's actually quite stressful. And then we hear things like studies show. It's like, like is, should there be a requirement for, like, what, a, you know, to be able to use that phrase? Because, like, is this just a couple of dudes? Like, they're like, hey, let's do a study. Like, let's, you know, like, what? who are these studies? Like, who are these people running these studies? Like, could me and some of my friends, like, let's, let's do a study today. Like, let's see if, you know, we drop this on your head if it hurts. Okay, like. Studies show that it does. Like, that looks like it really actually hurts. We hear phrases like scientists think, right? They, 
they think this or that. Like, so, okay, that's good. Um, we hear this one. We've heard this one a lot actually recently. A meteorologist predicts, right? You know what I'm talking about. One to 70 inches or so. We'll see. Um, that's, I would be the worst meteorologist, too, is like working on this data that's constantly changing. God's like, I know how many there's going to be, but uh, this is not to discount the bright minds of today. But let me tell you about what wisdom is, the true source of wisdom. And the true source of wisdom is a wisdom that is not moved by popular opinion. He is never surprised. There's nothing ever been unexpected. He's never been wrong, will never be wrong. He doesn't operate in theories or estimations. Every prediction that he has ever made has become a reality. In fact, he has a perfect view of past, present, and future. There is nothing beyond his comprehension. Every formula that governs the universe was a product of his fine tuning. Yet he is not limited by the laws of science. He can defy any one of them at will. While holding the universe in perfect balance, he still numbers every single hair on every single head in the entire universe and doesn't miscount even by one. Nothing happens without him knowing. That's our God. That's the source of true wisdom. And so my question for you this morning is, where are you going for wisdom? Where are you going for quote-unquote wisdom? One of the things that was noted about Jesus in his day, while he was definitely sort of defying the norm, right? He, was, he definitely was not um, coming in and saying everything everybody wanted to hear, which is what um, one of the things I just love about Jesus is, Man, he was just so impressive in the way that he taught, right? And so he was totally just turning everything upside down about what they thought and making, and he was unapologetically doing it, right? He said, you've heard it said this, but you were wrong. And so here's what it actually was. And then he said, but I tell you this. And people were watching him do all this, and they were like, wow, this guy's impressive. In fact, the phrase that was used about Jesus is that he taught as one who had authority. That's what they observed about him as he spoke. His words just carried this greater authority, this authority that they hadn't seen before. And you think, well, you think? Maybe it's because, as the Bible says, he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's my source of wisdom. And Paul is so moved by writing of God's wisdom that as he writes the words in Romans to the Romans, he's writing, he's just writing a letter, and all of a sudden he just breaks into worship in the middle of the letter. Like he's just like, it's like the, the pen is just worshiping in the way that it writes. And you can just imagine his heart jumping out of his chest, and maybe even one of these, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know, you know. But he was, just, he was just worshiping in this moment. And here it says in Romans 11, 33 through 36, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, how untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's our source of wisdom. That's our God. Solomon, you remember him? Wisest man who ever lived, as it was said. And what was the thing that he asked God for? Of all the things he could have, he says, God, my prayer is for wisdom. I want wisdom. And he writes this to us. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Did you catch that? 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's why I wanted to take you to a place of worship here, because that's where wisdom begins, is when we have proper perspective of who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And so we got to get to this place of worship. Because if you remain the center of your universe, if you really feel like you've got it all figured out, that you know everything, that's the path to foolishness. But when we get down on our knees and, God, I surrender to you, just reveal yourself to me. I want your journey. I want to do things the way you've done it. Because I've done it the other way. And that path has led some places that I didn't want to go. But what would it look like if we got to this place where we were just so humble, right? Because humility really is this place where God begins to just impart wisdom into our life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Socrates said it this way, wisdom begins in wonder. And we know the source of that wonder, don't we? The source of that wonder is Jesus. And so when's the last time that you've just been so captivated by thought of Jesus? sat out in the middle of the field and just looked around you like, well, this just didn't happen on its own, right? Just think about all the details and intricacies of the miracles that surround us each day that we take for granted. The fact that I have breath in my lungs, that everything in my body is operating in the way that it should, right? That God is continuing to care for even the smallest of things all the way up to the vastness of the universe. So when's the last time you were just so caught up in thinking about the magnitude of God and his wisdom that you just in a moment just broke out into worship. Maybe it wasn't even in a a setting like this where you're actually in a worship service, but you're just in your car. You're like, man, my heart is just overflowing for thought of who God is. Or in a private moment of study where you opened up the scripture and you're like, wow, God, you are so good. Because if we want to walk the path of wisdom, it begins by being captivated by the source of wisdom who is Jesus. Question number two, who can access it? Who can access it? As we read on, it says this, that God, if you ask God, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without approach. He's not going to mock us for it, and it will be given to him. He gives generous. He's a generous God, especially when the request is, he loves that request. I'm asking for wisdom, God, and he loves to honor that request. So what qualifies a person to receive it? It's not limited by how much education you have, how many years of education, how much money you have spent on your education. It's not, it's not limited by that. It's not limited by age, although age helps if you actually follow God along that path, right? Because with age comes experience, but it's not limited by age. I've seen some wisdom in some young people that is very impressive as they follow God and seek God in what they do. It's not limited by your background, your socioeconomic status. It's not limited by where you live, where you come from, or the hard experiences that you've had in your life. Those things do not limit you from receiving wisdom. It is available to all. God gives generously to all. The only thing that wisdom is limited by is this, your own desire, your own desire, your own heart. Anyone who wants it can have it, but not all of us actually want it. And so if you're at that place where you're like, you know what, because the scariest place to be is this place of apathy. That is a scary place to be. And we see a lot of times the American church getting caught into these cycles of apathy time and time again. The, The worst place to be is to not care, to have a heart that has been hardened, right? A heart that is hard that, you know, I don't. I don't really care. I don't have desire in my heart for this. And so that's where we begin to just say, God, okay, God, 
I need you to jumpstart my heart here. And Jesus tells us, here's why I preach in parables, right? Because we see Jesus teaching these stories. He makes the wisdom accessible to those that actually want to hear the truth, right? And then there's the people that are just sticking their, you know, fingers in their ears, like, we don't want to hear this, right? Because this goes against what we've learned earlier, or this is, this is just too tough of a teaching. Whatever it might be, there's always going to be a group of people that has their fingers in their ears, like, um, and so Jesus spoke in parables. He says this, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. And so here's the key. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, your ears, for they hear. So if you're getting to a place of callousness in your life, man, I would just encourage you, if you found that you're just in a spot of apathy, would you just muster up a prayer that says, God, give me ears to hear, give me eyes to see, would you reveal yourself to me, that God might jumpstart our heart to a place of wisdom once again. You see, Jesus, when he wrote in parable, or when he talked in parables, he wasn't just convincing minds, he was really drawing hearts. And so he's seeing the people around the room, they're like, now I want that. Give me some more of that. Jesus, tell me more about that. You were talking about that mustard seed. What, what was the, tell, tell me a little bit more of that. And so they're the ones asking the questions, right? And they're the ones that are like staying after class. Like, Jesus, tell me some more. What, what, what else you got? This stuff, I, I just can't, I can't stop learning. I can't stop. Just continue to pour out more and more of this to me. And so, man, what would it look like if the church if our church continued to live with that kind of desire, with that kind of passion, pushing away from apathy, pushing apathy behind us and saying, God, give us your eyes, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear so that we might have a desire for what is best. You know, for a while we were trying to keep um, our little guy Eli from like too much sugar and stuff, like it's not good for him. And like, we're like, wait, you know, that's great. You know, it's like, it's really good. But then, you know, he throws an epic fit somewhere, and you're like, where's the, where's the cookie? Like, let's, we, this kid needs a cookie, like, right now. Like, let's go. And so over time, we started to, you know, give him cookies here and there. And it's amazing. Like, this dude is, like, just in a frenzy for cookies. He loves some cookies. He will do anything he can to get his hands on some cookies. And, you know, for a while, he didn't even really know what they were called. He would just, like, see some cookies. Like, eh, 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 just, like, like, over and over again until he would not let up until you were like, I, I get it, you know. And he'd continue to pull you over there. Eh, eh. You know, now his word is cook, cook. Like, he uses the word. That's, that's what a cookie is. Like, cook, 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 cook. So, like, all day long, it's like, cook, 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 cook. I was like, all right, somebody give the kid a cookie, you know. Like, and uh, we were like one day, like, no, you're not getting any more Cook Cooks. And so Jess put the cookies up on the counter. And uh, lo and behold, like this dude, he's a little trooper. He's like, I want a Cook Cook, you know. So he figures out a way to drag this stool from, like, some other place in the house. He pushes it up onto the counter, climbs up on this thing, like, in the most, like, perilous situation. And he's like, boom, I got the Cook Cooks. Like, I, I told you, like, I, I need some Cook Cooks, you know. And so... Man, if there is a desire for something, you'll stop at nothing to get it, right? And so what I'm saying is we need to ask God to continue to plant that right desire in us, the same desire that, that Solomon had when he said, give me wisdom, the same desire that Jesus is identifying with the people that are like, that, that again, your eyes, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, 
for they hear. And man, those are the kind of eyes and ears that we need to be asking God for. And in Proverbs 2, 4, it says, seek it, again, wisdom, like silver, and search for it as a hidden treasure. Man, how many of us are doing that? Like, I'm I, it's like a hidden treasure. I, I'm, I'm going after it with all that I have. Like I, it's like a cook cook up on the counter. Like I'm going to, whatever I need to do to get my hands on that, I'm going to get my hands on that. I want the true wisdom. And so which leads to the last question is how do you get it? Let's read all the verses again. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Man, and you're like, James, like, preach, you know. He's like, that guy is double-minded. He's unstable in all of his ways, you know. And uh, he, he loves these people. He's calling them out because he loves them. He's like, listen, when you guys pray, but you don't actually have faith about what you're praying, you don't actually believe it, you don't actually believe in the source of wisdom and put your trust in him, your prayers are just like, you're just like a wave of the sea. You're bouncing all over the place. And so when you pray, make sure you pray with faith. You see, when we go to God in prayer, he uses it to align our hearts with him, which leads us to greater wisdom. So if we want wisdom, we must ask with regularity. And it doesn't just matter that we ask. We see here that it matters how we ask. Are we asking with this heart of faith as we pray? You know, I read this book uh, back in 2012, and it was uh, by a guy named Mark Batterson. It was called The Circle Maker. If you need a book to read right now, I would recommend it. I mean, we talk about just a book that has just catapulted me in an area uh, you know, specifically of prayer. Man, it's that book. And uh, it was just, you know, it just really kind of um, just drove my passion for prayer. And so uh, my, my word in 2012 was that. It was prayer. I'm like, God, I, I need to get better at praying. I need to continue uh, to learn how to pray and how to pray with faith. And um, so as I began to, to do that in 2012, God gave me this phrase for our community group. He said, Josh, I want you to pray this in 2012. I want you to pray um, for 12 people in 2012. You see, it seems simple, seems simple enough. However, we had less than 12 people in our community group that year, and I was like, guys, this is what we're going to pray for. I think let's just pray for 12 and 12. This is going to double our group. And um, so we prayed for that. We prayed for that all year. I kept praying, God, okay, you know, bring these 12 people that you want to bring into our, our life in 2012, uh, bring them into our life. And uh, some of us from the group were just talking about this earlier this morning. Um, but uh, God granted that request. We had three new families that joined our community group um, in that year and it was just really cool to see again because it wasn't it wasn't our doing it was God's doing but we believed that he could do that we're like okay you know and that might not seem like a lot but but that was just a really cool moment and and some of those people some of those families um we just love these guys today and uh the cool thing is several of all three of these families lived within a tenth of a mile from our house and I never even had met like really known much about them we didn't know much about each other but God orchestrated this ability to just bring us all together in community and doing life together and um and those families are part of access today it's just a cool thing to see that happen as I got to thinking back because I had just remembered that prayer and I was like wait a minute like that's when all these people came and um just a cool way to kind of look what happens when we pray with faith and Mark Batterson he says it this way he says if you seek answers you won't find them but if you seek God the answers will find you and so some of you know that to be true. You've done those, you prayed those same prayers of faith, and you've seen those answers find you. It's not always the answer you might expect, 
but God, God will bring his best if we ask him to. God will continue to keep us on that line, that purposeful line. Sometimes it's a line of difficulty. Sometimes it leads us to places that, that are uncomfortable for us, but God continues to use even those seasons, right, those uphill seasons, those difficult seasons, to continue to shape us and teach us. And again, we see this because the people that James is writing to, they're right in the heart of difficulty. And he's saying, keep living with wisdom. If you lack wisdom, just ask God for more wisdom. He doesn't even ask them to say, get us out of this. He says, just pray for wisdom. This is a journey. This is part of the journey. So this has a purpose too. And the cool thing is, as you see God at work, it's just fun to look back and go, man, that was all God. Look at how God has revealed himself to us. But we've got to ask, and we've got to believe. Which, as I was preparing this week, it really begged the question for me, all right, Josh, what have you been praying for? What have you been asking for lately? And, and what, how faith-filled, how bold have those prayers been? Because I think God wants us to go and just like, just ask him for stuff that we couldn't manufacture on our own. That's so outside of ourselves. It's like, just pray that bold thing, right? Ask for, so that he can show up and show off. He does it all the time. And so those are the kind of prayers that I want to continue uh, to just lead toward and, and, uh, and live in response to in my life. And so those three questions, we see wisdom comes from God. It's available to all of us who desire it, who wants it. It comes through faith-filled prayers. So in light of that, how should we respond? Uh, I want to give you a little illustration here. This is from a book that I read not too long ago, and uh, um, I actually started it not too long ago. I've stopped for a period of time, and I'm going to get back into it. That's just real. That's honest. Um, but it's a cool book. It's a, it's, it talks about, uh, it's called The Frackers, and it's all about um, the trying to find oil here in America as we've seen this this oil craze and you know, this oil shortage over the years. And some of these guys, uh, they called them wildcatters that were trying to, to strike oil all throughout uh, the United States. And it's just really interesting seeing these guys are ready just to risk it all, to strike it big, right, and to find the oil. And um, we see uh, at one point in time, it seems like all that oil and um, and natural resources are sort of dried up, you know, and so we start going to foreign places to find that oil. We start going out deeper, and um, specifically, there was this one guy, and uh, he was a, a smaller, it was a smaller company. It wasn't one of the big name guys. The company was Mitchell. He's like, you know what, right here in Texas, like, I just feel like we're sitting on a gold mine. He's like, all my geologists tell me that this rock, this specific rock, this shale, it was a really a dense rock. He's like, anytime we kind of drill through the shale, we get these high readings of, like, natural gas. And if we could figure out a way to get in and get that natural gas, like, it would be phenomenal. I mean, it would be. And so um, they tried for, like, decades, and all the other companies were like, you know what, we're you know, this is not producing, this is not, we can't figure out how to, you know, whatever. And so, like, ExxonMobil, all these guys are going out into deeper waters uh, to try to, to stri strike the big oil. And um, this guy, George Mitchell, he's like, nope, I'm going to keep trying. We're going to find new ways to get into this. I believe that it's here. And he's so, he had so much faith about that that he just started, in, in Texas, there was this thing called the Barnett Shale, which is just this huge area of shale. And he's like, I'm going to buy up everything I can in this Texas region, the Barnett Shale. And so, he's literally pushing all of his chips to the middle of the table saying, I hope it's here. It's down here. I believe it's down here. And um, 
sure enough, as he continues uh, to drill down, they find new techniques, and they drive deeper into this really dense rock. They just strike it big when it comes to natural gas, which has really helped us with a lot of the, the crisis that we've seen with dependence on foreign oil. Is some of these folks are like, no, what? We're going to find it. We're going to get down. And, uh, and so it's just really, really interesting. But one of the things that I found most interesting was ExxonMobil, their headquarters was right on top of the Barnett Shale, right on top of it. But where are they drilling for oil? They're drilling for oil out in the deep, deep waters. And I say that to illustrate this. As the people of Jesus, God has given us access to this incredible treasure, right? He has given us access to this incredible wisdom right here. I mean, it's sitting on our shelves, right? It's sitting on our shelves. He's given us access to him in prayer that we can actually go into the throne room of God, right? It's the Bible tells us to come confidently into the throne room of God. And so we are sitting on this treasure that is right beneath our feet. The question is, how much do we want it? Do we really want that wisdom? And so, church, I just want to challenge you guys this morning with three things. Here's the first thing in light of that. Challenge number one is this, drill down. Drill down. If you're going to do something in 2018, drill down. Drill down into this book. Don't just read it so you can be like, yep, cool, got my 10 minutes in for the day, like I'm good to go. Drill down. If something just strikes you as like, wow, that's interesting, spend some time on it, reflect on it, meditate on it, embed these words into your very heart and soul. Drill down into the word of God. Drill down when it comes to prayer and praying faithfully and confidently. Second thing is this, soak it up can drill down, but you've got to be willing to actually soak up the things that God is offering to you when it comes to wisdom. If I could just speak to the young people in the room for just a second. You know, one of the things that, that I learned along the way is I got to this point maybe as a high schooler, my mom could probably tell you, high schooler into college, um, where I just I all of a sudden had it all figured out. Like I, I knew everything, so I didn't need any other wisdom, right? And so they're speaking this wisdom into me, but I'm just like this impenetrable, like I'm not soaking any of it up. I'm like, you know, yeah, right, yeah, things were different then, whatever. And so I, I tended to, to do that. I just sort of feel like I've got this confidence about, I'm, I know some things, you know? And so, but again, if we want to really experience wisdom, we got to, that doesn't mean that every adult tells us something that's true. We learn to test the spirits, right? But, man, there's so much wisdom around us if we would just learn to soak it up. And that goes for us adults too, right? When we have it all figured out, we miss out on these opportunities uh, to learn. You know, one of the things that Stephen shares a lot is uh, about his dad, Don, who um, he said he'd be in, like, conferences, like, and, and here he is. He is just such a wise uh, man of God. But every conference he's in, he's taking notes. He's soaking it all in. And I always think about that when I think about um, just living with wisdom. Is I want to be that guy, right? That all throughout my journey, I'm just, I, I got something to learn from somebody, and I want to continue to learn and grow and be stretched. But we've got to be willing to be sponges as we go and soak it up. And so let God teach you through your experiences. Don't fight it. Some of you are in a difficult season right now, so ask the question, God, I don't want to rush through this difficult season because you want out. I know that feeling, right? When you're in a season, you're just like, I want out of this season. But press pause and ask God, what can you teach me through this? How can I come out of this stronger than when I got into it? Don't fight it. Soak it in. Don't close your heart to it. Soak it up. The last thing I would say in th- is this. 
And uh, I'll, I'll try not to go long on this because this, I know I'm already long, but this is a passion of mine, working with young people, uh, working with young adults. We just started this venue over here. Um, but the last thing I would say, and this, this goes for all of us as we continue to gain wisdom, is that we need to share the wealth. We need to share the wealth. So the question I have for you, and the question we are going to continue to ask as a church, right, we're continuing to just pour resources towards kids and towards young people. We're try- trying to do these new adventures so that we can, again, Share the wealth, the wisdom of God with the young people, right? With the next generation that we can continue to impart that on him. And so here's where this gets personal. Who are the people behind you that you're turning around and saying, hey, come with me. I've been there before. I've walked through that. Come with me. Let me share some wisdom about this thing. Let me teach you a little bit about this, right? Who are we actually saying, you know what, I'm learning how to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm not quite there yet, but come along with me. Here's some things I've learned about following Jesus, right? The Bible tells us to go and make disciples. And so we've got to be willing to do that generationally. And so if you're currently involved here and you're like, I don't know what to do, find a young person. Find a young person. I'm going to hang out with that young person. I'm going to go, uh, whatever. I, I want to spend time so uh, that I can invest some of the things that, that I know in them. We've got to be, we've got to continue to establish a culture of mentoring one another, discipling one another. Um, I, you guys know I come from uh, Kentucky, and one of the athletic director down there went to the church that I was at in, in Kentucky called Southland. And uh, he came and spoke uh, not too long ago, and uh, I found this quote to be really powerful. And um, he said, and he's, he says, I don't want to be that generation that when I'm 70 years old, I'm saying, these young kids these days, and then he says, because that's on us. We're the ones that are supposed to be teaching them. It's our responsibility. It's not theirs. They don't know the difference. We haven't taught them well enough. So when it comes to wisdom, we've got to lead by example. We've got to show others the way of Jesus. What does it look like when the words of Jesus, the way of Jesus becomes embedded into a life, right? It's not going to be perfect, but I want to lead you by example. I want to show you the way. Because that next generation, that's on us, how we lead. In Ephesians 1.17, this is one of those scriptures, and I want to leave you guys with this. Uh, you know how you're reading through the Bible, and then all of a sudden, like, and you know you've read it before, but it hits you just like in a way like, I just got to hold on. Like I need to just digest this for a second. This is one of those verses for me this week, and it really captures the heart of what I hope um, to have communicated today. In Ephesians 1.17, it says, and this is his prayer, Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, you may know him better. If you don't have a prayer yet for 20, make that your prayer. Pray that every day. God, I just want a spirit of revelation and wisdom that I might know you better. That's my prayer for all of you, and I want to just take some time to ask God to do that now. Father, we are just so humbled We're humbled today by the fact that we even get access to you. That you encourage us to come before the throne of grace. And so, God, we just come with humble hearts. With the admission that we don't have it figured out. That we got a long way to go. 
So God, you know the hearts of your people today. God, the first thing I would ask you is just that maybe for some, God, you jumpstart a heart this morning. That you would help somebody who is not currently hearing, God, to hear. Who's not currently seeing to see, God. And maybe this morning, somebody will get that, those fresh eyes for the first time. Maybe somebody will finally say, yes, God, I, I, want, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to live my life in response to your grace, to the gift of mercy that you gave on the cross. So, God, I pray that you would compel hearts this morning. I pray for some hearts, God, that you would just give them a fresh start, a new desire that is just primarily to chase hard after you, God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better, God. And God, help us to be a people of wisdom that we might lead others to greater wisdom. We love you. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.